Why do pastors consider quitting ministry? What's up, everybody? Justin, Tim, and DJ here. On today's episode, we're going to discuss a Barna report that reports on just that. The Quiet Reformation is a space of listening for God through the Bible and the body of Christ, desiring change in the church but without the chaos. This podcast is a small part of the ministry of Netzer. Netzer works intimately with Christian leaders and speaks widely to the church at large about spiritual renewal. We are a donor-supported 501c3 ministry. Please visit netzer.org to donate and find out more. Before pressing record, we were joking about how DJ really needs a special jacket, like a member's jacket for being on the podcast so many times. You know, like they do on SNL. Like a high school letter jacket, <laughs> Yeah, like, right? I mean, that's like a thing now again, right? So that's, yeah, I would, I would rock that. Yeah. Yeah, man. You're varsity, DJ. You're not JV anymore. You're varsity. <laughs> Dude, I think he's got a captain's band on that thing. Like one of the bars on the letter, you know? There we go. Yeah. Today, we're talking about a Barna report that you can find in the show notes about reasons pastor consider quitting and what encourages them to stay. Before we hit that up, DJ and Tim, what's a job that you enjoyed quitting? Maybe you were just done with it and you just swaggered out as you left. <laughs> yeah, right away. Uh, back when I lived in Lebanon, near you, Justin, Lebanon, PA, for a couple years, when I was first married to my lovely wife and we had a baby, we did not have much money. I uh, stopped going to school and went to work full time at a precast concrete place. And we started at 530 in the morning and didn't stop till 530 or 6 or 7 p.m. So I was like falling asleep. I like as soon as I would get home after dinner, I was ready for bed, manual labor, all the guy, every single one of the guys on my crew was an ex-con. I developed good friendships with them, but it was rough. And so when uh, when I finally finished my last day after about two years there, uh, knowing that I was going to go back and finish school and move on in a different direction, that, that was a, a happy, happy day. Yeah, I had a job that it was like a love-hate relationship. I worked for the streets department of West Conshohocken. and got to work outside a lot. So, you know, we were working in parks and mowing grass and doing repairs around the township and that sort of thing around the borough. But we were also, it was also, we were the trash men for the borough too. And actually that was one of my favorite days was trash day. Cause you get a huge workout, you know, you come back, just great workout. You're riding on the back of a truck, all that. But I'll tell you what, when I was done that job, I was like, I am never again going to sit there smelling back of a trash truck all day and have it stuck in my nostrils until the next week when I do it all over again, you know? So I was pretty happy to be done with that smell. No matter what kind of work we do, every job has its challenges. But man, oh man, pastoral ministry has some, definitely some unique ones. So let's take a few minutes and talk about the reasons pastors consider quitting the ministry.
Again, in the show notes, you can find this report we're talking about today, which is from 2022, surveying Protestant senior pastors. And it charts ministry challenges to those who have and have not considered quitting. It also charts what encourage pastors who have not considered quitting to stick in ministry. A few of the top challenges included immense stress, political divisions, loneliness, declining attendance in their churches, and the negative effects on family. So guys, as you looked over the charts and the data, was there anything that surprised you or stuck out? I think for me, Justin, I like the, the one piece about cultural, current political divisions, the thing that was interesting to me about that one was that it ranked higher than I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy with the effect this role has on my family. You know, personally having, you know, we deal with pastors all the time. If I were to guess, I would definitely say that the effects on family for a pastor has been one of the most resounding things I've heard. And here it ranks number four, but current political divisions beat it by a landslide too. Um, it wasn't that close. That was uh, pretty amazing actually to hear that from national survey. Yeah. One of the things that stood out to me right away was. 56% of pastors considered quitting because of stress. And then under that, you have those three categories that Tim just mentioned, loneliness, political division, and effect on family. And to me, those three things are the main stress points for pastoral ministry. So they're kind of connected in that way. The more that you have health in your family, the more that you have healthy political conversations within your congregation that, that are focused on Christ and, and his body. And the more that you're in relationship, it seems like the more resilience you're going to have to be able to handle the stress. So it makes sense that those kind of fall, break under, and that stress is sort of a catch-all, it seems, for all of those things. 40, 43% of pastors who are considering quitting feel alone. So more than one in three you know, are, are feeling like they, they're isolated and alone. That's a huge stressor. That's got to be, for, for people who feel that way, that's got to be probably your number one stressor. Or if this is taking a toll on your family, it's affecting your marriage or your kids' spiritual, mental, physical, emotional health. And then the same thing for, for political division. I know, you know, we've been really blessed in my congregation where there hasn't been too much division. We there has been some incidents and we've had to navigate that and pastor through it. And I will say when I'm pastoring through that division, it's extremely stressful. And so for me, just anecdotally, personally, that that would certainly be one of the major stressors in thinking about 2024. That's That's been on my mind and I've been talking about it with our congregation already. Yeah. When I think about stressors, uh, I think there's been a growing transition in the shape of the church and the expectation of what the church is and how the staff functions in the church in the West over the last few decades. And I would say uh, probably since the 80s, there's been a steady change in our understanding of God's design of the church and, and staff roles within that. And as a result, uh, the job description of a pastor has become a very, very confusing thing. Basically, the job description of a pastor has very little to do with what's initially written on a piece of paper in a pastoral contract. And the measurement for how well a pastor's doing for most churches has to do with how happy the congregation is. And uh, then how and how happy the congregation is 
you know, is based on uh, any number of expectations that are put out there, not just on the pastor, but on what they expect from their church. And then the assumption is, is that the church is providing a service for the people and it's the pastor's responsibility to do a good job of providing that service. And that can be all across the board. And so an enormous amount of unspoken expectations for pastors and the sense of failure and disappointment to the extent that they're not achieving or overachieving on those levels can be just a huge point of stress. Depending on our upbringing or social circles, the feel behind quitting can be negative, like quitting is always a negative thing. But when would you say that to quit is actually the the wisest or the most redemptive posture to take in ministry? In the early days of uh, starting with Netzer, one of the reasons that we started Netzer was because we were on this team that was going around our denomination, interviewing pastors from all around the denomination, figuring out why the denomination had been in decline. And our district executive had asked us to do that. We were in our 20s. We had no idea what we were doing. So all we were, all we could do is just ask a lot of questions. And what we pretty quickly realized was that there was pastors who had felt so isolated, so alone, and so unsuccessful, but had no idea what to do vocationally and how to make money in order to sustain their life. So they were basically just punching the clock until retirement. Their congregations were struggling and they were struggling. And for me, that's a moment where we're past the spot where we want to be in this situation. When we realize that we're only in it anymore for the duty or for the paycheck, and that there's no vision, there's no uh, sense of God's movement within us, then we have to say, are we hurting rather than helping the people that we're serving right now? And I think that's a very important question that we all in ministry need to wrestle with. All of us are called to ministry all the time. So stepping away from pastorate does not mean stepping away from ministry, but stepping out of the job of pastor is a thing that uh, we need to be aware when it's time to to step back and and of course that needs to be done with a a whole community of people around us who are support system who are asking to pray for us and who we're making sure that we're not stepping out just because it's getting hard and all of that but that we've realized like we've kind of we're exhausted and we need to refuel a couple things that i'd want to think about in that conversation is is one i've i've had friends transition out of full-time ministry and it's been really good really healthy and it wasn't because they you know, failed or burned out. It was just a new chapter that God was calling them into, and they're going to continue to serve in ministry in a, in a new way and whatever vocation that is. But, but I'll speak to myself personally. Um, there are t- times when, because of the way the modern church is set up, and because of the the stress points for contemporary pastors, there are times where I really have to ask myself: Am I still able to love the Lord? And I'm still able to love his body. If I can't answer yes to that for me, and I'll just speak to me personally, if if I can't continue in this vocation, loving the bride of Christ and and loving God, you know, great, great commandment flowing into great commission, then it's probably time for me to, to step away again, not from ministry. I'll always be called to be a shepherd and a lover of Jesus, but to change systems so that I can, I can, you know, return to my first love. So that, that would be a question that I would encourage, you know, every, every pastor to ask, am am I still able to love God first and and love the people that I'm called to shepherd? I think what you're helping us see as you're processing that with us is there's a whole process that we go through 
when we're feeling de-energized or burnout or hurt, there's kind of levels of discernment, right? And if getting a sense of I'm missing my first love or I don't have passion for it, there's a lot of train stops before exiting pastoral ministry. And we want to make sure that we exhaust those options first. You know, there's some great counseling ministries out there to help us. There's the idea of taking a sabbatical that's structured that really helps us reconnect with the Lord. Not everybody has the options of all those things, but it's really good to to look and seek for all the other factors that might be affecting why we may not be feeling the energy and having the kind of central power train of uh, of the Lord moving through us and see if we can adjust those things before we decide to make the big move. One of the reasons for quitting that was at the bottom of the list was this, ministry wasn't what I expected. What would you guys tell a younger someone that's getting into pastoral ministry to just be aware of? You know, if I could tell my younger self, just be really, really intentional about uh, connecting with with other people that are going to speak into your life. So n- not trending towards isolation, not trending towards uh, loneliness, but being very, very proactive in remaining connected to people both within the local body that you're serving, but also outside, because you, you're going to need some people who have a more objective kind of ability to speak in to your situation. So, uh, you know, everybody needs a coach, a mentor, a spiritual leader, a counselor, these are just relationships that we all need. And so younger pastor, like lean into that. Uh, the other piece is that it, it's it's crazy when you're leading a local church, how much, especially if you're in a smaller church or, or small staff, you're going to be required to wear so many different hats. And it's it's not just going to be sermon prep and counseling. It's it's going to be administration and it's it's going to be hard conversations and it's going to be you know, leadership in the nitty gritty. Um, and so you can fight against that and get really frustrated because it's just, it's the nature of it. Or, or you can kind of lean into it while protecting that, which is sacred that God's called you to. Um, and so finding that kind of balance of you, you got to care for the the organization, you got to care for the institution, you got to care for the body that that's that you're a part of, while also making sure you keep the first things first, which is, you know, uh, your relationship with the Lord and and shepherding that that call to be a shepherd that God put on your life. Yeah, I was going to say something similar to that, which is that um, there's got to be a commitment and an awareness that I'm going to have to major on the majors and minor on the minors. And what I might think when I'm getting into ministry are the majors. I might start to shift as I get a little bit more perspective. And so uh, one thing I would say to my early self is the major consistently you have to protect your relationship with the lord and you just you have to do what it takes because in act six when it says that our job is to devote ourselves to the word in prayer as elders that isn't just like hey this is my job description i'm not going to do anything other than read the bible and pray Um, what it means is is that i have to stay so connected to the lord in the primary ways that we stay connected to the Lord through the word and through prayer so that when I'm leading, I'm leading under the Lordship of Christ and under the kingship of Jesus. And when I get to the spot where I allow myself to start leading out of my own strength and not staying super connected to the Lord, 
that's just a recipe for me burning out or me getting resentful when things aren't going the way that I want. And then what that means is the minoring on the minors is like, I might have vision for things that I really want to do, but if the body's not ready for that vision yet, and we're just not there, it might be right. It might be from God, but for a young person with a lot of energy, if my hope is put on being able to implement that vision in a certain amount of time, it's going to be really discouraging when that doesn't happen. And so I'm going to need even more in that moment to make sure that my relationship with the Lord is super plugged in and dialed in. So majoring on the majors is saying my primary responsibility to this congregation is to say to stay super connected to the Lord. My secondary responsibilities have to do with trying to lead them to the place where I feel like they need to go and I need to be able to keep it in that order or else I'm going to get pretty frustrated. There are about 15 or 20 items listed on this report about why pastors want to quit. But at the very bottom, there is also data points that says 34% said none of the above and 21% said something else. So what didn't make the list? What didn't make the cut that you think is a real tension point? In, in light of the question we just talked about, uh, a young person getting into ministry, there is the possibility that we get into ministry because we have some ideal in our mind where we think, hey, I'm going to be really impactful, or this seems like the kind of lifestyle that I want to go after, or I have some gifts that could work here, but that I haven't actually discerned any sense of calling. And if I got into pastoral ministry without being called into pastoral ministry, that can be really challenging. And calling, you'd want to define that term. There's, you know, throughout church history, that's been defined in different ways. The two primary ways is that there's an individual internal sense of calling from the Lord. And there's an external and communal sense of calling from the body. And really we want congruency between those two things where we have a lot of affirmation from the outside, a lot of confirmation from the inside that, uh, hey, this is the Lord calling me into this so that when things get challenging, I know unless the Lord calls me out of this or unless like I'm dying on the vine and need to wave the white flag or else things are going to go super bad, that I'm going to stay in it because I'm not here because of what I thought this was going to be like. I'm here because of calling. So if someone didn't have that sense of calling, then they hit those unmet expectations and lots of challenges, they might not have what it takes in order to carry them through. Another thing could be that they've never really been equipped. And the article says this down at the bottom, that there some have been more equipped than others. And I think that's true. And, you know, there's equipping like seminary, which is great. It's good to have theological equipping. And some seminaries are a little bit better than others at practical equipping too. But really a lot of that has to do with mentoring. Have I received any kind of mentoring, any sort of like help and support? Another thing, just the, a third thing that came to mind as I was thinking about this is that some haven't learned how to function from the Lord's strength and they've still been trying to function from their own strength. And that might also have to do with equipping and calling. But I think that um, when we haven't learned how to really place the, uh, the onus of ministry on the Lord and the responsibility responsibility of ministry on the Lord, it just becomes a really overwhelming burden for us to carry. And I don't think those things are named in here, but I think they're real. I was surprised that there's nothing explicitly about exhaustion in there. I think a lot of pastors just are tired, over overworked, stressed in that way and burned out. And so, yeah, it's it's really tough when you're in ministry sort of sadly and ironically to have healthy sabbath again what i'd say to a younger pastor 
preaching to myself here is Sabbath is so important. It's so, so important. And not just to kick your feet back, but to go after the Lord, to spend intentional time in God's creation, you know, with, with loved ones, it's gonna, it's gonna help, help your, uh, your tank last a lot longer. What are the things that put courage into pastors? So switching gears now. The top three on the report are, I believe in the value of my ministry. I have a duty to stay and fulfill my calling. And then I am very satisfied in my job. What would you guys say helps to fan the flame of ministry in your life and keep you going? Yeah, I'm definitely a words of affirmation guy. When the people in my life who I know see me, and see see my struggles and and my weak points but are still able to to encourage me that's been huge over the years and you guys have obviously been a part of that for me over the last decade of of pastoral ministry my family supports me well that's one of the you know that's one of the ones on there like my wife julie is uh, such an encouragement uh, in in ministry and sometimes when i'm down she's got a great way of of kind of strongly encouraging me uh, back to the Lord and and uh, back to back to my calling. The other one I thought was interesting that you didn't mention, but I just want to highlight, Justin, if that's all right. There's important ministry work I have not been able to accomplish yet. I, I wouldn't probably say it exactly like that, but that is a motivation for me. There, there are things that I want to see. Like we've been reflecting, like our Tim led our elder team recently through a reflection on Psalm 27. I'm confident that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. There are things that I'm hopeful for, that I think the Lord has promised. And um, I'm hanging on to see those things come to fruition, both in my life and in the church and in this region. Man, that just fires me up. I love that. I love that. A part of that, I think that intersection for something for me, you guys will laugh just hearing me say this, like what carries me through in days that I feel like, oh, this is it, is the meta narrative. It's that there's a bigger story that I'm a part of that like suffering or pain or struggle it's all part of the it's all part of the big story it's all part of the gospel story the idea of and and DJ when you were just naming like friendships and family and the people who can encourage us one of the biggest ways that i get encouraged in that way is when somebody comes along and and reminds me, gives me perspective about, hey, this is happening probably because this is what's going on in the spiritual world, or this is what's happening in the community. This is what tr God's trying to work toward. And when I see myself in the context of God's big story, then I'm like, ah, oh, man, I feel like I can handle so much more. And I feel like, you know, the martyrs, the saints of old, they knew this so much because they were a part of this gospel story. And if they suffered, they understood that that was a huge part of what they were actually called to. They were called to suffer. And for me, that really highlights something that I think is vitally important for pastors to understand. When they get into the ministry, they're not just getting into a community of people, they're also entering into a spiritual leadership role inside of a spiritual battle. You're, you're stepping into a role that has like a family component where you're becoming not just a teacher or a counselor, but you're actually more like a parent, you know, in a community. And it has so many different facets to it. But at the same time, you're also stepping into a place where you're kind of a commander of a military troop that comes with major warfare. And you know, when you're stepping into battle that you're going to take hits, but sometimes the enemy exposes himself 
when he's advancing and that's when you have the opportunity to respond in really healthy ways and i think that my my favorite scripture around this you know philippi ended up being just one of the greatest churches in the entire new testament narrative entire new testament story and the way that started was by these guys getting thrown into prison the the whole narrative of imperial rome locking them down in the gates of the of the inner cell it said they went into the inner cell they were down in the stronghold of the city literally the city stronghold and the spiritual stronghold and when they were there and it looked like they were completely oppressed total victims injustice happening like crazy and in the midst of that they start to pray and sing maybe they started with songs of lament maybe they got the songs of joy whatever they were turning to the lord and in the midst of that suffering and in the midst of that pain god had brought them deep into the stronghold the cultural iniquity that was in the roman empire and broke it right in the middle of that city so much so that the guy who was guarding the very gates of the stronghold of the enemy in that town where fear existed that guy turns to them in fear, bows before them and says, what must I do to be saved? And we see a flipping from imperial Rome and King as Caesar. And we see King Christ, Jesus coming in. And there's an establishment of an amazing church going by a different narrative. And all of that happened because there was two, not just one, two leaders partnered together, encouraging one another to seek the Lord in the midst of the suffering that came with their ministry. And God just broke out from it. And I think that that is an important thing for each of us. Who are the partners who keep us focused on the Lord and focused on the big story so we can keep worshiping him while we're going through our suffering? So pastors and leaders, who is God looking to connect you with so you don't need to minister solo? And for those listening who aren't in vocational ministry, Reminder that you have such a gift of authority to pray for the pastors and leaders in your life. There are men and women in leadership that unless you're in a similar role, it's just can be very difficult to really know just how much they uniquely carry. DJ, could you wrap up this episode with some closing thoughts? Well, before we turn the uh, the mics on and we're recording, we were, we were talking beforehand and I was kind of commenting on this idea that I was thinking about when I was reading this report, I I wonder if part of the draw to quit pastoring sometimes is because pastors are by nature often empathetic and we spend time with other people. And when we're spending time with other people who are not pastors, we're, we're empathizing with their lives. We're hearing about what it's like to be a teacher, what it's like to be, you know, working construction, what it's like to be in IT or, or whatever. And I think sometimes, and I'll speak for myself here, but just to a word of warning that hopefully is a word of encouragement is that sometimes I think I can, we can have as pastors wondering eyes um, in the sense of just kind of thinking that the grass is greener over there if I were just doing that or that kind of thing. And so just uh, pastors who are listening, leaders, shepherds, fixing our eyes on Christ, uh, fixing our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's throw aside every weight, every, every hindrance, um, let's run this race. When when we can have a vision of Jesus, he's so beautiful. We, we become what we behold, right? And so when we behold the lamb uh, and we behold him, we become like that which we behold. And so when we behold him, we see the bride as she's meant to be seen. And I know for me, when I have those wondering eyes and thinking about my life would be better if I was doing this or that instead of, you know, dealing with another email that's complaining about whatever, it's real important for me to get back to the basics. 
back to love of Christ, love of his bride, to see her for who she really is, his bride. And then it restores my love for her in a really healthy way and encourages me to, to keep going. Not because it's about me, but because it's about him and he's worth it. And so, yeah, just my word of encouragement to pastors is fix your eyes, fix your eyes on Christ and, and see his bride through, through his eyes today.